Welcome, everyone. This is the Fantastics Inside of Baseball podcast here on InsideOfBaseball.com, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify. Uh, Lou Blassie, Brandon Cameron, back for another edition of the podcast. Brandon, how are we doing today? We're doing good. How are you? Very good. We're going to be looking at, uh, we're getting into some of the things that we more normally get into uh, this week on Fantastics, both here in the podcast and on the serious show. And uh, today we're talking about expected ERA versus ERA. And this caused me it's funny, Brandon, with some of this new stuff, uh, when you came up with this topic, with some of this new stuff, I just kind of accepted, although I've been kind of questioning expected slugging and expected batting average a little bit, not questioning it, but just wondering about the elements to go into it. And when we decided we were doing expected ERA, I had to figure out, well, geez, I have to know what's in the soup here. I can't just take the expected ERA. I have to dig into it a little bit. And basically what we're talking about is what we normally talk about with pitchers, uh, these uh, two guys, Dwight Gill and Tad Reeves, authors of Mathematics of Baseball, the Science and of the Art, uh, came up with an expected ERA formula that basically decided they basically found the correlation between runs that you allow based on the number of hits you allow, the number of walks you allow, the number of homers, number of guys you strike out. And uh, uh, basically it's a correlation. And of course, they normalize it each year for whatever the uh, atmosphere is in the game in terms of what's being allowed based on those number of hits, walks, home runs, et cetera. And they give us expected ERA, and it makes complete and total sense. It's just basically uh, this is another sequence of returns question, isn't it? Because you can give up the same amount of hits or the same amount of walks, the same amount of homers, and if they come in a different sequence, your results are going to be better or worse. Yeah, and um, again, this is not an exact science, although we get a little bit better you know, year in, year out. Um, but a, a big thing that I think is important, uh, to take into account here is that expected ERA is taking into account quality of contact, which, you know, in, in certain, you know, in XFIP and, and, uh, even FIP and everything, you know, those don't particularly take in quality of contact. They're taking in more of the results, but expected ERA is factoring in, quality of contact, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, um, this gives us an opportunity to see, you know, even if a pitcher's had some luck based on, you know, where those hard hit balls have gone or, or things of those nature, um, you know, it gives us an idea of, of how hitters are seeing them and, and such, and then still takes into account, as you were saying, you know, walks and, and things along those lines, which in strikeouts, which we know have an impact on a pitcher's success basically gives us a thumbnail look at a pitcher when we're looking at a pitcher that is not doing what we're expecting him to do, either positively or negatively. We can look at the XDRA and see where that stands. And basically, if the expected ERA is lower than the ERA, uh, then that means that uh, the pitcher is probably having a little bit of bad luck or there are things going on. We can expect him to regress towards a lower ERA. It's the opposite when the opposite is true. When it's a higher XERA than ERA, then that pitcher has been a little bit lucky, perhaps. Or we can certainly look at factors that will lead us to the idea that he's pitching a little bit above his head from a results standpoint. Gives us an idea of what direction his pitcher is going and what the actual skill set of his performance so, so far has been as opposed to results. Because as we know, again, sequence of returns uh, with pitching and in baseball, 
you can make a bad pitch and it can be taken or it can be a swinging strike or you can make a bad pitch and it's a three run homer if you make it in a bad in a in a particularly bad spot and that's often the difference between the results numbers when but it doesn't tell us the whole story about the pitcher yeah and 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 that's the thing especially early in the season is uh you know one one hit one play here or there could be the difference in, you know, a two ERA or a four ERA. And so at least with expected ERA, we have a, it gives us an idea of, of kind of the, the, the level at which the pitcher is pitching. So, you know, it's real easy. And what, what, what we like to do to just kind of see where, where are the big discrepancies? Where are we seeing either a much higher X ERA than ERA or vice versa? And we can, again, as we like to do, dig in a little bit deeper. Yep. It's the same thing we normally do with almost all indicator stats. It's like we're trying to find the spots where the indicator stat tells us a different story than the results do. And then we try to figure out why. We don't take it as gospel. It doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to go for this pitcher because his XERA is lower, which means he's going to stop pitching better and stop making up that ground. It's just, a again, it's a question of, well, why does this indicator tell us one thing? And when the results tell us another, we dig into it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's what I think is an important thing to remember, too, is it can become easy to, let's say, like you said, find a pitcher with a higher ERA than XERA and say, OK, uh, you know, I'm interested in this player. This just gives us an opportunity to look deeper. But still, there are t- plenty of times in some of these pitchers on this list that I'm still not interested you know, even if they're, even if their ERA is, is particularly higher than their XERA, there are still other factors involved here. So, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not, we don't say any of these stats, any of these numbers you come up with are the be all end all. Um, but it does give us an opportunity to kind of do our investigative work, figure out, you know, why it is what it is. Yeah, there are no statistical silver bullets. Like you got to get in and do the work. We're going to start with pitchers whose ERA is higher than their XERA, which would indicate at first that there's probably some regression coming. And the first guy on the list, Kyle Wright, is a guy who might be on that list that you just talked about of a guy whose XERA is lower than his actual ERA, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily all that hot for him at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's been real bad this year. He's got a near six ERA. Um, his XERA is obviously a lot better. That's the point. But uh, it's still 4.35. Um, now, that being said, yeah, if 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 I believed his ERA was, um, you know, targeted for 4.35, I would at least, you know, consider him <laughs> as somebody I might be right. interested in, especially in deeper leagues. Um, but there's, there are a lot of problems here with Kyle, right? And there have been kind of problems. Look, he had a fantastic year last year for the Braves, won 21 games, had a low 3.19 ERA. His XERA was higher last year. Um, you know, still good 3.89, but, but it was higher than, than, uh, than his actual ERA. So we've kind of seen a switch here. Um, he is having some issues giving up hard contact, um, you know, 45% hard hit rate and, uh, nearly 92 mile per hour average exit velocity. Those are bad numbers. Uh, he doesn't strike guys out. Um, he did a good job of it last year, um, striking guys out, but we're not, we're seeing him regress to kind of where he was before last year. Um, and he's walking a lot of guys again. He, he did, he made the improvements he needed to make last year to have that career year, 
Um, everything's kind of looking more like it was before that. Um, he's walking double digits percentage wise. Um, his, his called and swinging strike rate, his CSW rate, um, is bad. Again, it's 25% basically, um, much lower than it was last year. So there are a lot of problems here. He does, he gets a lot of ground balls. That's his thing. He throws a hard sinker. Um, that's his thing. And, and, and that's continued this year, but he's, he's still struggling, uh, with giving up really hard contact. So are, is there reason to believe he should be better than this 5.93 ERA? Absolutely. He, he's, he's not that bad. He's not a six ERA guy. Um, but I don't see any reason to believe he's getting anywhere near where he was last year. Yeah. But neither is he the guy he was in 2022. And, I guess increasingly we have to kind of look at this point anyway, look at 2022 as the aberration. And at that point where he hasn't had a lot of major league experience last year going into that season and it was a full season of 180 innings pitch and he pitched really well, you could reasonably assume that he found a gear, he found something, or Atlanta found a development piece on him and he was just found another level of pitching. At this point, though, there's at least been regression if it hasn't shown us that, well, he found that level of pitching, but I don't know if he can sustain it. And he was borderline anyway. He was borderline on his strikeout rate. He was borderline on his walk rate. Uh, he kept the homers down last year, and the walk rate was considerably better than what we've seen from him in the past, which means and that's one of the things that pitchers have the most control over. So you expected that at least to hold on. But no, the walk rate has gone up. He's given up more homers. The strikeout rate has slipped a little bit. And it was again, it was already borderline. And quality of contact has been awful so far. So um, this is a situation where I guess we have to look at 22 is, 2022 is the aberration, uh, not this year so much. Yeah, and, you know, there could be a, you know, we always talk about innings and, and, and where guys are at innings-wise. He threw 180 innings last year in the majors. That That was a massive, massive, massive jump from where he had been previously. Um, worth noting his velocity is down this year. Um, and, and, you know, obviously I can't target the exact reason, but it is worth pointing out. He threw 180 innings last year. Um, so his velocity is down and he just doesn't trust his fastball, um, with, with the lower velocity. He doesn't, you know, he's too many walks. He's throwing his curveball half the time. When you're throwing a curveball half the time, that's a problem. And it was a heavy percentage, but it's kind of taken over. It's taken some from his fastball. It's taken some from his changeup. And, you know, curveballs are hittable. It's it's not a pitcher. You can't beat hitters in Major League Baseball with a curveball. You can only fool them with a curveball. So if he's throwing it 50% of the time, you're going up at the bats. Most hitters are going up. I'll just sit here and wait for the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or he can't get it over the plate, and he's walking, yeah. guys. Because it's, it's also hard to consistently get a curveball over the plate. So... Yeah, I mean, he, he's got some, I, th- I think, confidence issues. You see that in his pitch deployment. Um, you see that in the success batters are having against that hard stuff, including his sinker. Um, and and so just ultimately, you know, this is he's not in the same place he was at last year. You know, I, I don't know. 180 innings is a lot for a guy who really was, was, was just much lower than that last year. And not that I have any reason to question why the Braves put through him out there. You know, he was healthy and pitching well throughout the year last year, but it's just worth noting that he was nowhere near that major league wise coming into last year and through a lot of innings. And it looks like he's off at least to start this year. 
and we've talked a lot about this so far this year is that there are two reasons guys have control issues and it's either mechanics or it's fear. And in this case, it looks like fear. You put it exactly. He has no confidence in his fastball. He doesn't want to work in the zone at this point. Once a pitcher demonstrates a skill, once a player demonstrates a skill, he owns it. So he cut his walk rate to a, a good amount last year. So he's capable of doing it from a mechanics and a control standpoint. But this year, I think he hit the nail on the head. Just he has no confidence in the fastball. He doesn't want to work in the zone right now, and it's costing him. Yeah, exactly. So, again, on the theme of our show, he's not a 6 ERA guy. So that ERA is, is probably going to come down. But is it coming down to where I want it to be? No. And uh, I think there's some volatility here um, unless unless we see some major changes. And that's the thing we kind of have to – if you do have your eye on Kyle Wright, if he was a guy who you had last year, you maybe kept him as a keep, you know keeper, which which would make sense after his season last year. Um, it, you know, you, you got to have him on your bench if you want to keep him on your roster. But um, until some of these numbers flip, and I think the big thing is, I, I would keep an eye on his fastball, his fastball and sinker, um, velocity wise, and also you know how how much he's using it and and. I think those two things kind of work in correlation with each other. Um, and until I see better numbers with that, more confidence, I, I, you can't start them. We're still in the small numbers part of the year where it's hard to draw conclusions based on small samples. Jameson Tyon, however, who's a guy I've always kind of liked, and his expected ERA is 282. His actual ERA is 450 at this point. But that 282 expected ERA would be the lowest of his career. And it's showing up in other places. It's showing up in two important parts. He's ticked up his swing and miss a little bit, or at least his strikeout rate. And his home run rate, he hasn't given up a homer yet. Those are uh, The home run rate is something that has been a problem for him, and certainly in recent years when he was with the Yankees. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, he's going to give up some home runs. Um, you know, he has a near 50% fly ball rate right now. He did do better last year with the Yankees and dropped that fly ball rate down to about 40%, but um, it's back up high this year. So if he's going to be giving up that many fly balls, he's going to be giving up some home runs. Um, he he ha- He's not surpassed five innings yet this year in three starts. I think that's one thing to note is, you know, again, this is a guy who, while he, you know, has thrown um, 300 innings over the last two years, um, he it did have a major injury, uh, you know, back in 2019 before he went over to the Yankees. So, um, you know, still some caution there um, in terms of innings pitched. He looked better in his last start, didn't give up a run, only two hits in five innings. Um, but again, only five innings so far is his max. But yeah, there are some things here that I think Tyon's had some bad luck. Um, you know, his left on base percentage is, is really low, below 60%. Um, and his uh, BABIP is particularly high. And, and, you know, we noted the fly ball rate. Um, you know, when your fly ball rate's that high, your mm-hmm. BABIP probably shouldn't be 357 uh, and so, especially when, you know, his quality of contact is fine. It's, it's not, not particularly bad, not particularly concerning. Um, so probably a particularly high BABIP and, uh, again, a low left on base percentage. Those are some of the things that we just kind of have always looked at even before we're talking about stat cast numbers. But again, then I can have the stat cast numbers to sort of back it up. And remember the stat cast numbers do factor into XERA. So you look at Tyon overall, and I'm looking at the stat cast numbers. I'm looking at the traditional, you know, 
luck numbers in terms of BABIP and left on base percentage. It all points to he's had some bad luck. He shouldn't be as bad as he is. And that is why we're seeing this 4-5 ERA um, as opposed to the 2.82 XERA. So this is a player I would be buying in on for sure. Um, and if, if, if people do have concerns, now could be the time to get in on him because uh, another start or two and that ERA could be much lower. And we've talked about this a lot, too, that pitchers do find things. You do not give up on pitchers, even veteran pitchers. He's 31 years old. Pitchers find things and change things, and it can make a difference. It can help them find a, a bit of another level, and his deployment has changed considerably over the last three years. In 2021, with the Yankees, lose 55% fastball. It's 39-4. Now, a lot of that this year. So that's a big decrease in his fastball usage. A lot of it has gone to the cut fastball, so it's not a big variation but it changes up things a little bit. And this is all about, especially when you're giving up homers and hard contact, this is about keeping hitters off balance. And that cut fastball seems to add to keeping hitters off balance. If he can just, again, cut his home run rate, which was only a problem with the Yankees, by the way. I don't know if it was a ballpark situation or American League East situation, or, or I don't know if it was only a problem with the Yankees, but it certainly showed itself up in the last two years a little bit more than usual. So if he can start to control that home run rate, a little bit more with all the other skills that he has, you can start to hang your hat on some of these some of these uh, gains as they might be real because that's going to be the big thing for him, just controlling home run rate. He, the good thing with Tyon is, man, he has a lot of pitches that he's using, and he's, you know, we've seen a lot of these pitchers start fact uh, start using the sweeper, um, and he's one of those pitchers, and it, it's it's been good it's been really good and and i think he might get more comfortable with it throughout you know the year he's got 35 percent swinging strike rate on it so that's a pitch that's been very successful you mentioned you know he his cutter is his most common pitch and he, he kind of uses it you know some of this is tough like you know a, a four-seam fastball could actually be a cutter yeah, a cutter right. could actually be four-seam fastball but there is a noticeable velocity difference between the two there's about a three mile per hour velocity difference between the two um and you know it's one of those pitches that i think he's going to continue to work with because it's he's using it a lot more now than he has in recent years um and so it's it's a pitch that you know i think he'll get more comfortable with as he continues to use it but yeah he's you know as we've seen a lot of guys doing you know as they kind of mature throughout the major leagues is using that four seamer a little bit less and using some other things to work off of it with. And so he, he's doing that, you know, he's also got the sinker too, which is, which is a big pitch for him. Keep, keep get that, get those ground balls. Um, so he's got a lot of different options and yeah, overall, I think Tyon, there's some, some encouraging things here with him. Yeah. When you've got mid nineties velocity, which is what he kind of came up with, you start think you're in a power pitcher mentality. You're in a beat hitters mentality. And oftentimes it's, just easier to fool hitters in terms of not fool them, but again, just keep them off balance a little bit. That three mile an hour delta in velocity between the cut fastball and the fastball, just keeping hitters off the ball a little bit and just controlling quality of contact a little better. Yeah. And he, he, he started out his career with a high ground ball rate because it was that sinking fastball, a hard sinking fastball that, you know, hitters would get on top of. Now he's aware that his sinker is not quite as hard and so hitters more often can get underneath it, which, you know, you, you that can be a problem. Um, and so he still throws his sinker, but more often than not, it's more the cutter and four seamer and, uh, you know, and, and tried to mix that pitch around, mix his pitches around 
so that he, um, you know, can kind of fool play hitters in that way. But ultimately it's led to a higher fly ball rate. He doesn't have that ground ball rate anymore. Um, but he's still getting relatively weak contact, not a lot of barrels, you know, his hard hit rate is, is, is low. It's 33%. That's, that's fine. Uh, Nate Evaldi in Texas now, off, not off to a great start in four starts from a results stat standpoint, but the XFIP is 307. He's got a 540 ERA. His XFIP is 307. His expected ERA, that's the subject for us today, is a 3.78. Yeah, uh, you know, and and there are some things that I like about what Evaldi's done. Um, he, he's getting, you know, some good swings and misses, actually more so than really any time in his career. Uh, highest swinging strike rate. Would you believe that? Highest swinging strike rate right now of his career. Um, getting a lot of chase. Um, you know, he's always kept his walks really low. He's still doing that, but he's getting the strikeouts. Um, he's he's given up some, you know, hard hit balls, uh, but n- not the barrel rate uh, at all. Super low barrel rate. So he, he's only probably given up one or two barrels. Um so, you know, there's everything we like to see in terms of the improvements. Um, but, you know, he, he, it comes with a little bit of hard contact and, you know, that has bit him a couple times. Um, but overall, yeah, we see this, you know, almost two and a half difference here between his X FIP and his ERA. And then his, you know, X ERA is about a point and a half lower. So, um, you know, there, he's had some bad luck. He's had, uh, there's reason to believe he's going to be doing a lot better, but I really like to see the strikeouts, um, and the swing and miss, uh, with him while keeping the walk rate as low as it always is. And we're talking about hits, walks, homers that you allow giving up here. His walk rate is about the same. His strikeouts a little bit higher. He's cut down on the amount of homers, but you look at you just look at, at an easy thing, something that's out of line, just like his ERA is his uh, whip at 148. His career is 132. He's given up more hits. You start going across the columns, you get to Babbitt, 422. His quality of contact is, well, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, they're hitting the ball harder off him, but they're not getting the launch angle. His barrel rate, as you said, has been con- cut considerably average launch angles four, which has got to come up. That's not what it's not what he is, but he's has limited his amount of fly balls. Unfortunately, he hasn't increased his ground balls, which means uh, significantly anyway, which means he's giving up more line drives than fly balls. So that contributes to that 422 BABIP. That's where the problem is here. That's where the difference is when that BABIP starts to uh, regress towards what his mean is, which is about 312. He's about you know, a 300 BABIP guy, 310 BABIP guy. When that starts to come back down, then the ERA will start to line up with the expected ERA. Yeah, he's given up 17 hits in his last two starts. Um, you know, that's that's a problem. Only one walk, but 17 hits. Um, and so, you know, he gave up six runs a couple starts ago against the Royals. Um, so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where that was – pretty unlucky start i mean like if you look if you just hone in on that april 12th start against the royals his bab of in that start was 529 yeah well that particularly is lifting up that babip that overall season babip um you know to the 422 that you mentioned so um you know that was a bad start and you know it, he probably shouldn't have given up 10 hits in that that game you know um his worth noting and again looking at these numbers on an individual game is uh, a mistake, but I'm going to do it anyways. His XFIP in that game was 1.5. He gave up six runs in five innings, but his XFIP was 1.5. So he, yep. you know, he probably shouldn't have had 
been giving up that many hits and, and that many runs, but he's been, he's limiting the walks, only one walk in his last two starts. Um, I, I think bottom line is this is the same Nathan Eobaldi. Um, I, there's I, a lot of a uh, small sample noise here that we have to wade through here, but it's, it, and it would seem counterintuitive to do what you do. And I do. It's like, okay, well, let's just look at the logs and get down a little finer and work with smaller samples and work with individual starts and things like that. But with pitchers, I think you kind of have to do it. You can't depend too heavily on the results stat. you have to dig into it a little bit. And I suspected, I didn't, I hadn't looked at his game log, but I suspected much of that was basically in one start and that Kansas city start um, helped pump that ERA. So that's something we have to watch for, especially with starting pitchers, because you don't get large sample sizes on them too quickly. You do have to hold them up to different angles and see, uh, you know, get different looks at what their performance has been so far. You can't just rely on season long stats at this point. And it's also at a point where, because we're dealing with these small sample sizes, where looking at who they've played matters. Um, now it goes actually with Evaldi, it goes against a little bit what we're talking about here because he's had some weak opponents. Um, you know, he opened with Philadelphia and Philadelphia is not the Philadelphia of last year right now. Right. Um, and then two starts against Kansas city, a start against the Cubs that, you know, those are not some of the better offenses in, in the league. Uh, but at the same time, again, you know, on an individual start on a given start here or there, you know, one guy could be hot for a team and things, things could go right. Things could go wrong. Um, and, you know, so, but I do think it's important, you know, there's some of these as, as you look at some of the pitchers and you do look at the game logs, which I think, yeah, you do have to do at this point when you're analyzing a player, um, take note if they've had particularly tough competition or a particularly weak competition. Yeah, it's just um, with Nathan, it's just a situation of it's just early season, small noise. There are no red flag here, flags here, in other words. You look at that ERA and you might be looking for red flags. The XERA tells you, OK, well, you know, calm down a little bit, take a look a little bit deeper. And I don't see anything in here particularly disturbing at this point. No, velocities were, you know, it's been um he's it's fine I, I think he just is who he is <laughs> um he's been pretty consistent and when you don't give up walks at all that generally lends to consistency and so i think the home runs are going to come up as you mentioned they're going to regress um and but there are other things that i do like the to will regress as well and it'll be the habit will regress as well yeah. left on base percentage so yeah i think at the end of the day, that X fit, or sorry, that X ERA three point seven eight. Yeah, that sounds about where he should be. Uh, Zach Wheeler, this is, would be a thing where with a four seventy nine ERA and a one forty five WHIP over four starts and twenty innings pitch, would be looking for red flags here. And X ERA tells us again, you know, not so fast. And as I look through the stat line, not seeing anything totally egregious here. No, again, uh, we can look at the things that we keep bringing up. Left on base percentage, Babbitt, he's had some bad luck. 64% left on base percentage, way lower than his career norms. Uh, Babbitt, 367, way higher than his career norms. Uh, so right off the bat, you're seeing that. Uh, when we look at quality of contact, he's always been fantastic quality of contact, one of the best in the majors. He's doing it again. In fact, yeah. you could actually argue he's even better than where he's been, generally speaking. Um, sub 85 mile per hour average exit velocity. That's that's elite. Um, you know, we've got uh 32.8% hard hit rate. That that's elite. Um, so you know, his velocity looks pretty good. So 
yeah, no, this is one of those instances where he's had some bad luck and it's it's all going to come back and he's going to be just fine. Um, you know, he's had a he's he's been fine at home. He's had a couple starts on the road that it hasn't gone great, giving up four earned runs in each of his two road starts uh, against Texas and against the White Sox. And so, you know, kind of one of those things that I, I I would expect Zach Wheeler to turn around pretty quickly. Yeah, walks are up a little bit, but again, that's small season noise as well. And, and again, you can just look at the BABIP here because it's the whip that uh, matches the ERA in terms of 479 ERA and a 145 whip when he's a 121 whip guy over the course of his career. And of course, in the last three or four years, he's been 126 or below. The last three years, he's been below that, closer to one in terms of the whip. So he's giving up some hits, but you look at the BABIP 367. That explains the extra hits here because the quality of contact has been excellent. So it's it's not that they're hitting him any harder and not that he deserves all of this, but he's given up some hits on balls that weren't hit all that well. And this is a home road thing. Again, when we're talking about four starts, it's, you know, you, you can kind of hone in on some noticeable things, but right off the bat, he's had two good opponents, the White Sox and, and the Rangers on the road. He's given up four runs in each of those. He's had two bad opponents, Miami and Cincinnati, at home, and he was very good against them. So, you know, kind of, and, and that's not to say avoid him on the road. I, all of this is to say he's he's going to come around, and uh, you know, I just wouldn't read at all into this four seven nine ERA. If you're a Zach Wheeler owner, you keep throwing him out there. I, he's, I think he's a must start still, pretty much every start, um, and I would, you know, certainly. You know, if if anybody's willing to part with him and you can make a trade, I, I certainly think he's a trade target. Now, Nick Lodolo is a much more interesting study because everybody's loving Nick Lodolo because he's doing the headline thing. He's striking out, guys. There's no doubt about that. But his 498 ERA and 171 whip uh, can turn you off. But the XERA, like same as last. Well, I mean, he was his XERA was a little bit higher than his ERA last year, but it's right in line with last year's uh, XERA at about 355. And this is all, he got blown up in his last start. He gave up eight runs in his last start. Um, you know, before then, things were looking a lot different. His ERA was looking fantastic prior to the last start, but absolutely got blasted by Tampa Bay, um, as a few teams have this year um, in, in his most previous, his most recent start. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yes, there are things we love about what Nick Lodolo is doing. He's striking out a lot of guys. He isn't walking a lot of guys. Right off the bat, I like to see that. He's given up some home runs, um, you know, qu- quality of contact-wise. He, he is giving up some hard contact. It, it's, not, it's not egregious. It's not something that I have massive concerns over. Looks um, like a power pitcher. Looks like the yeah, he, he, yeah. power pitcher, yeah. He's going to give up some. The big key with him is keep, keep those walks down. And he it keeps those walks down. He's doing that. Um, 6.7% walk rate. I, I can certainly live with that with the type of pitcher he is. Um, and he actually does give up a lot of ground balls. He always has. So it's possible the home runs, you know, are a little higher than they probably should be. You know, he's, he's, it's possible he shouldn't have given up the four home runs that he's given up. So he does pitch in Cincinnati though. You know, he's, that's going to lean towards giving up home runs Mm -hmm. so that, you know, the home runs are going to come ultimately, but I don't think he's like a problem with the home runs, even though he does give up hard contact because he gets a good ground ball rate. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's one start. He just got absolutely blown up. He's still a young pitcher. He's still really learning. Um, I, I would hope to see him rebound. I think he probably will. Um, overall, I think he's, I, I'm, I'm still really encouraged with what he's done. Um, I, the, the last start doesn't worry me too much. Again, Tampa Bay has been pretty good to start the season. And it's too early to hang it on the refrigerator or anything, but his walk rate is down a little bit. And that's something that he needs to control a little bit more because he is going to give up homers from time to time. He does strike out guys, but if he can control the walk rate, homers aren't going to hurt as much. And that would be a next gear for him, I think, because, I mean, he's not going to strike out more guys than he's striking out now. A swing and miss is probably not going to get much better. But if he can walk fewer guys, that's going to mitigate his main problem, which is giving up the home runs. I think that's the real key there. I, I think with, with Lodolo, it's what will make him a sort of volatile, but sometimes great, sometimes bad pitcher is a high walk rate. What will make him a, a great pitcher overall is if he can keep that walk rate down. He's doing it so far. Um, you know, I'm encouraged with, with his ability to, you know, at least work in the strike zone. Um, and even in that last start where he did get blown up, he only walked one guy. It, it was, it, it just wasn't a good start. You know, it's just, he was at home. Cincinnati's a tough park to pitch in and he was against a team that's been red hot to start the season. So I, you know, I'm not super worried about that last start. It was encouraging to see him only walk one guy and it's encouraging to see that walk rate down at 6.7% in general. Um, I, I think that, you know, in general, if he can keep that around there, then he's going to have success, but he is still a young pitcher. He does pitch in Cincinnati. That is a concern every time he goes out in that ballpark. Um, but generally speaking, I, I really like where he's at. We have so little to work on. He's got small samples in the minor leagues as well, but he's shown an ability to control his walk rate again in small, uh, in small, uh, samples. And again, when it comes down to walks, it's fear or command or fear or control or mechanics. And he seems even in these small samples to have the control to throw strikes, just a matter of whether how tenuous he is coming into the zone. And of course, coming in the major leagues after such a small sample size in the minors, especially the high minors, maybe he's a little tentative to come in the zone. He's going to get more comfortable and he's beating guys. He's beating guys on a fairly regular basis. So hopefully that walk rate continues at least where it is, or maybe he's even got a little bit of gains left to be made there. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, one thing, one factor here is, and we were talking about the curveball uh, before with Kyle Wright, that he overuses his curveball. Uh, curveball is a huge pitch for uh, Lodolo as well, but he's not using it 50% as Kyle Wright was. Um, and it's still his secondary pitch, but it's one of those things where, you know, if you can keep the curveball as its source of, you know, fooling guys and working off that fastball, then that's the success. Um, if he gets to the point where he's using that curveball too much and it becomes a primary pitch for him, that's where I worry about are the walks going to tick up. But right now, you know, his fastball has been hit, but it's, it's the pitch that I think that, uh, you know, that is getting the bad luck, you know, on his forcing fastball, for instance, is he's given up a 357 batting average, but his expected batting average is about 75 points lower, you know, his expected slugging percentage, 150 points lower than his actual slugging percentage on his forcing fastball. So overall, okay. it's, it's a pitch that I think he still feels confident in, even though it hasn't had the success that we, you know, would want to see. 
Right. That's the difference. And that's showing us the difference between command and control. Control, we're talking basically about walks. Command is you've got that fastball, you've got good velocity. It's a matter of locating it where you want to locate it. And if you miss, so you get a little bit more of the plate than you want, then it gets squared up a little bit. And again, I think that's small sample noise at this point. It's just guys are squaring them up a little bit over the course of the season. He's going to beat more guys than are going to square him up on that fastball. And that, that'll start to regress as well. And then he's going to use the curveball to punch him out. I mean, that's ultimately what he can do. Um, his curveball is a put out or put away pitch for him. And, um, you know, I think he'll be able to use it, especially when if he continues to have confidence in his fastball. So in and a very different way than Kyle Wright, uh, you know, Lodolo still has confidence in that fastball, even if it hasn't had the success he wants to see. And that if he can use the curveball more and get the out pitches with it and keep it in the hitter's head, it's eventually going to make his fastball even better. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that that's where his success is. He's, you know, he's got to change up and he can sink his fastball a little bit, but generally he's a fastball curveball guy. I mean, that's, that's who he is. Um, and, but it's, it's an elite curveball and, um, a good fastball that, you know, works off of that curveball. And so the two work off of each other. And I think the, the point is he's still using them how he wants to use them. He just got beat up in that last start. Jacob DeGrom is in Texas now, and Texas fans can look at that 348 ERA and be a little bit frustrated. But the XERA says, you know what? He's not pitching that badly at all. This is one of his best starts to the season, according to expected ERA, which is at 207 as opposed to a 348 actual ERA. He's healthy. That's <laughs> yeah. isn't that the, that's the only thing I want to know with Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Is is he out there? Is he pitching? And is he healthy? Um, because I, I don't care at all about three point four eight ERA. He's he's gonna and and again we're talking about three point four eight like it's some horrific thing for I Jacob Degrom it might be, but um you know he's 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 Jacob Degrom. I mean he's doing his Jacob Degrom things. He's still striking out a ton of guys. He isn't walking anyone. Um you know his his velocity is still uh, really good high nineties. Um, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, XERA, XFIP are in the low twos. Uh, that actual ERA is, you know, over a point higher. Uh, I mean, he's he's probably should be much better than he's actually doing. And what he's actually doing is just fine. Yeah, and the quality of contact numbers are really actually almost stunning at this point. Hard hit percentage 28.9 and 85 mile an hour average exit velocity. Barrels are up a little bit, but, you know, again, small sample noise. Things like that. You're right. As long as he's healthy, he's doing what he's doing. Swing and miss in terms of the swing strike isn't quite there, but strikeout rate is perfectly fine. It's just everything's okay. This is just sequence of returns and a small sample for a starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, really low left on base percentage uh, and, and a really high BABIP from where he's been. So, you know, it's one of those things. That the, the left on base percentage is what I look at as, you know, he that first start of the season, he gave up five runs in three and two-thirds innings. Um, and if I remember, I could open up that start. If I remember, that all came late in the start before he exited. Um, he actually pitched a couple, two, three innings and, and, and didn't give up much. So anyways... Um, that's really what's bogging him down. I mean, he's only given up three runs in his last three starts. Um, his, you know, strikeouts. Yeah. The swinging strike rate is below 20%, but it's still incredible. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, we should feel fine with where um, DeGrom's at. I think everything's really in, in good place. I think the key is always just monitoring that health 
And, uh, you know, they say that he, you know, he's supposed to go today. So, or well, we're recording the podcast today is Sunday. Um, yep. so we'll see, you know, maybe things look a little bit different. Uh, he obviously had that wrist issue in the last, uh, start, but it doesn't sound like it's anything serious. So I think, yeah, DeGrom, we're, we're really happy with where he's at. And if, as long as he's healthy, I, there are no questions. And I mean, there's no question. He's a must start every time he's on the mound. This is something we should make a mental note of because what's going to happen here is that first start set him up with this ERA, which is going to have people questioning him for a period of time. And it's going to be a while for those numbers. And they're never going to erase this year. Over 180 innings pitched, an extra four runs allowed is a quarter of a run in ERA. And you look at a, a Jacob DeGrom with a quarter of a run higher ERA at the end of the year. All that does is set you up with a little bit of a sale price in terms of draft position from next year when it was basically the noise of one start over the course of his season. He may have another start like that. He may not, but that one start is going to probably save you a few draft positions next year. Yeah. His ERA since that start in the last three starts is one five, nine. Yeah. Um, he's where, you know, DeGrom is, I mean, he's where DeGrom should be. And so no one's um, focusing yeah, on that. we're at the end of April and nobody's focusing on that. They're focusing on the three forty eight ERA. Exactly. Yeah. He, he's fine. Um, you know, DeGrom is is great. It's it's just the health. It's always the health with him. All right. Logan Webb has a 440 ERA and a 362 expected ERA. This isn't the most – we'll talk about this, but this isn't the most interesting part with me. What I've been talking about Logan Webb all spring so far is I've loved the little uptick in swing and miss, right? And that's what I've been calling it, a little uptick in swing and miss. But it's not an uptick in swing and miss. As I was looking at a start last night before we record this podcast on Sunday when we are recording it, or the day after Logan Webb's last start – wasn't a lot of swing and miss in his extra strikeouts. It's his CSW that's up at 32.8. The uh, career high is swinging strike is right about in line at 10.6. His, his chase rate is right in line at 33.5. The CSW is up a little bit. He's fooling batters a little bit more. That's where the extra strikeouts are coming from, which makes me wonder if he's found something with strikeouts or is this just you know, how, how much can we lean on the fact that his strikeout rate is up so far in 2023? I mean, I think I think there's definitely a factor here of of you reference it cold strikes. We don't talk talk enough about cold no. strikes, but these elite pitchers, you know, I mean, it's hard in the major leagues with major league hitters to get a lot of cold strikes, especially these days with over aggressive hitters. Um, but elite pitchers can get, you know, can fool guys and. Um, he's, he switched up his mix a little bit. Um, last year he threw his sinker slider and changeup almost, I mean, the same amount. I mean, right. basically they were interchangeable this year. He is much more sinker. And then his changeup and slider are a little bit used as his secondary, you know, more his secondary pitches. Um, what that has allowed for is for them to be more fooling pitches, not, not pitches so much to, you know, get, um, contact or, you know, get weak contacts like they were last year, but really to fool guys. And then the sinker is the pitch to, to get the ground balls, get the weak contact. So anyways, all that's to say is there is a pitch mix change here. Um, there is a change to, you know, generate more strikeouts in a different way. And we're seeing it. I mean, his strikeout rate is great. He's striking out plenty of guys. He's really cut that walk rate. Um, it was it was fine last year. He's cut it almost in half, um, though, from where it was last year. So he's not walking guys. 
Um, you know, quality of contact again, when you're throwing that sinker more, you're going to get harder hit balls. And so we're seeing that his quality of contact is a little bit worse. Um, but the ground ball rate is really high. So ultimately those hard hit balls are hit on the ground, which, you know, his, I will say the giants defense is atrocious. So that is, it doesn't necessarily work in his favor, but that is what you want from a pitcher like Logan Webb is get those balls on the ground. And that's what he's doing. He's going to cut down on the home runs, although he hasn't yet. I think that's bad luck. You know, he's given up six home runs. I think that's yeah. bad luck. Um, generally speaking, I think you got to feel good about the type of pit, the type of pitcher he wants to be and, and the way he's a- addressing that. The problem is giants are a bit of a mess right now. Yeah. Right. And it, we've talked about the defense hurting some of these Giants pitchers as well. You talked about the homers and that's that's the thing that stands up. He's giving up a ton of homers. One of the things we loved about him is he struck out just enough guys uh, to be uh, to be considered strongly. And he doesn't walk a ton of guys and he keeps the ball in the ballpark. He's striking out more guys now walking less, but he's giving up the home runs. And that's a 28.6% home to fly ball rate. That has a lot to do with this right now. And yeah, he throws a lot of ground balls. So the denominator is down. But don't be, don't dismiss all that to the in that home run to fly ball rate because over the course of his career he's been about a twelve home run to fly ball guy, so balls getting up in the air, quality of contacts a little bit worse this year. He's giving up the homers, but he's had three years where he's shown us his ability to control homers, and I'm not ready. I don't see anything that tells me that skill set has changed. So bad luck, and we'll look for regression back to a more normal rate of homers for him, which if he maintains any of this uh, st- higher strikeout rate is going to mean a little bit better performance. I'm not worried about the homers yet. I don't like them, but I'm not worried about them yet. And again, let's let's take a look at his opponents. He's played the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. That was his first start. Gave up a couple home runs. Okay, the Yankees are a home run hitting team. He gave up a home at Aaron Judge. I mean, geez. Yeah. Oh, how dare he? Um, He gave up a couple homers to the Dodgers. Um, Dodgers hit have a lot of home runs on that team. And then in his last start, he gave up a home run to the Mets. And the Mets have a good offense as well. So he's faced some really good offenses. Um, other than his start against the Marlins a couple starts ago, it's it's the Yankees, the White Sox, the Dodgers, and the Mets. Those are really good offenses. So, you know, he's he's had some tough opponents in the early going, and you know that that will settle down when he gets to take on the Rockies at home, and you know gets to take on some of the weaker opponents in the league. Yeah, and it, all the, there's some weirdness here that is can only be attributed to small samples. His average launch angle is 2.8 because he throws a lot of ground balls. Bauer rates up to 10. percent That's that's just early season. It's just early season noise, right? Because you can't sustain a 10 percent Bauer rate when your average launch angle is 2.8 degrees. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is when we're talking about barrel rates at this point, we're talking about I mean single digit numbers, right? Uh, you know, in terms of the number of barrels, so it, it's. You know, it's it's one guy, two guys. It's it's air facing Aaron Judge a couple times. You know, I mean, it's that's those are tough opponents, and so those are opponents with high barrel rates. And so, you know, we're we're talking about such low numbers that barrel rates a tough one to really be thinking too heavily about at this point in the season. And hard hard hit percentage, I think, is worth factoring in a little bit more. There's a bigger sample size on the number of balls that have been put into play. Um, and you know, 
and to a certain degree, average exit velocity as well. But yeah, I think barrel rate, you, you, you know, it's hard to judge it at this point in the season. So we've got this fancy new expected ERA that we're talking about today that we all love and it's all great. But you know what it comes down to with Logan Webb is hmm, 65% left on base percentage, 333 BABIP, 28%, almost 29% home to fly ball. It's been unlucky. He's been unlucky, yeah. Um, and he had been unlucky and faced some good offenses. And so uh, I I would, you know, I've actually, Logan Webb is a guy I have been targeting in trades. He's he's one of my um, biggest guys right now early in the season that I want to target in trades because, you know, it's one of those things. It, it depends on how much your opponents in your league pay attention to kind of start by start and, and these sorts of things that we're talking about in terms of the opponents. Um, you know, somebody might just be kind of like looking at ah, another game. Logan Webb didn't pitch really well. He's got a 4-4 ERA and blah, 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 blah. I mean, look at the teams he's had to play. You know, he's not going to be playing that quality of opponent on a regular basis. And so um, I, I just love the uptick in strikeouts. I love the drop in walks. Um, I think he's actually improving even if his ERA is right now up significantly. All right, so that brings us back to the original question at the start of talking about Logan Webb because what we're all, all of us who are Logan Webb fans are looking at that uptick in, in strikeouts. And when you start looking at it a little deeper and it's, it's coming in called strikes as opposed to beating hitters with pitchers, how do, you feel about, how do you feel about those gains that he's made so far? Do you have less faith in them, more faith in them? Are you give, are you, can you lean on more called strikes at this point in the season? I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be some regression in that strikeout rate. Um, I, I still think that there are gains here. Again, we have, we are seeing a pitch mix change, pitch deployment change, I should say, um, into using that sinker more, which allows the curveball and change up to be, or sorry, the slider and change up to be a little bit more of, of out pitches. Whereas last year they were more pitches to just, you know, sometimes get out pitches, but sometimes yep. be, you know, get qual get contact. Mm -hmm. um, now it's like the sinker is the pitch when he wants to get contact. If he's just trying to get a ground ball, um, throw that sinker, but the, he can use those secondary pitches as his, his out pitches and he can get, and it doesn't have to be a swing and miss. I mean, like, like we're saying his, his called strike percentage is up about three and a half percent from last year. It was 18.8% in 2022. It's 22.1%. So he's just getting a lot more call strikes. So his swinging strike, his whiffs aren't up. They're where they were last year and he's not getting more swings and misses. He is just getting more, uh, you know, called strikes. And uh, I, I think there is something there to tell me that that's going to, going to be where that that's actually there's backing to it. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily convinced that that is going to stay as high as it is. Um, that's a huge jump. Yeah, it's been pretty consistently around 18 and a half, 18.8, 18.9% in terms of called strike percentage. It's at 22.1. Here's the thing, though, is that, and this was what I get curious about, because the way you were describing the way he uses his repertoire, which I think is accurate in terms of looking for contact on the sinking fastball and maybe looking for more swinging strikes and beating hitters or fooling hitters with the other pitchers. Now first pitch strike is up to 67%. That would be a career high. He's 64% and he's been 66, 65% the last couple of years. And we don't pay enough attention to this either because leveraging counts for pitchers, especially guys who are contact based pitchers. It's so important to leverage the counts. 
Yeah, and this again, you know, when we're talking about at this point in the season, we're still in April, and I, I keep bringing up the opponents he's played. I mean, these are particularly patient teams. Um, the the Yankees are a very patient team. The Dodgers are extraordinarily patient. The Mets are a patient hitting team. So you know, there's he's got he's getting less swings in general. His his swing rate is down. Yep. And, uh, and that's going to also mean more called strikes because, you know, I mean, if he is trying to get ahead in the count, if a guy's not swinging, he's more likely to be able to get some called strikes. So I do think that number comes down a little bit. I'm talking about the called strike, right? Um, but I do think that we're seeing in our, you know, a pitch deployment change here that I think could factor into more strikeouts in general. So I do think we could see more strikeouts, just maybe not quite where they are right now. Corbin Burns is 476 ERA. This is not what we paid for at the beginning of the season, but the XERA is at 347. Yeah, I mean, Corbin Burns is another guy that, all right, like Jacob deGrom, when Corbin Burns is out there, you're playing Corbin Burns regardless. You mm-hmm. know, you didn't draft him to be anything less than he is. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you know, there, there are some things that haven't gone well. This is He's looked a lot better in his last couple starts, but five walks in those first two starts combined – Gave up ten runs in those first two starts, so those that was a problematic start to the to the season. Um, and you know, I, I I mean that you know you were talking about Jacob Degrom that one start, which is going to impact yeah. his ERA for a good portion of the season. Those two starts are going to hold uh, Corbin Burns ERA up high, you know, no matter what he does the rest of the season. Right. Um, that's going to continue to bog or not bogged down, but bog up his ERA. Well, eight runs over 180 innings pitched. If there were eight extra runs in those first two starts, that's four-tenths of a uh, it's four tenths of a run in ERA right there. over 100. Exactly. And, and it, those weren't good starts. Five walks, only six strikeouts in those first two starts. He's looked a lot better since then. He obviously had a great start on April 11th. That was his third start. That was eight innings, eight scoreless innings with eight Ks, no walks. Um, and then his last start, he... Um, gave up two runs in five and a third at Seattle. Um, another instance where, you know, three starts on the road, one start at home. Um, I think he, you know, th- th- those first couple starts were problematic. But at the same time, like, you know, we do look at some of the numbers with Burns overall, yeah. and there are some numbers that we're seeing regression. I mean, pretty major. His strikeout rate is way down. Yep. Um, his, he's an interesting his, guy anyway, because he doesn't throw the fastball. I mean, exactly. It's, it makes it interesting and makes sure it doesn't make you suspect his strikeout rate because he's too good and he's, he's maintained a high strikeout rate with his pitch mix. But when you got a guy who's not power based and not fastball based and all of a sudden the strikeout rate takes a drop like this, it, it perks your ears up. And by the way, this is halved from two years ago. He took a pretty big hit to his strikeout rate last year as well. Yeah, and, and you know, and yet it was still palatable. But this is uh, really, really low from from where it's been. Still a relatively small sample size, so he could have you know twelve strikeouts in six innings at his next start, and and flip this all around on its on its head. But right now, yeah, the the walks are actually up a little bit. Again, that's largely those first couple starts, um, and the strikeouts are down. I have concerns about that. I don't like to see that. Um, he's still getting, you know, ground balls and, um, and, and there are still some like his left on base percentage is, is particularly low. And so, you know, that's probably a little bit of bad luck, but I, I 
do think that, you know, right now we are seeing some things a little bit different and some things that are a little bit concerning with where he's at. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see, I want to see some more consistent gains from, from Burns from where he was those first couple starts. We saw it a couple starts ago. He looked like the Burns that he's been, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have some, some concerns. I, again, I still think you drafted him to throw him out there every single time he starts and you still got to do that. So if his owner is throwing him around at this point, how interested are you? I mean, it, the strikeout rate is kind of daunting. It just, I, look at it and I have a problem with this because not that he's going to sustain a 6.7 strikeouts per nine uh, rate going forward. That's extremely low, but if he doesn't bounce back to 10 or 11 or one, even one per inning at this point, if there is something else going on that contributes to that strikeout rate, he's a different pitcher. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Corbin Burns is not the, you know, first round, second round type top two pitcher in fantasy baseball if he's not striking out 30% of guys. He just isn't. Right. And so right now, um, while I have reason to believe that that strikeout rate's going to come up, and again, it's been, you know, he's been better since those first couple starts, it's still nowhere near that 30 plus percent. And the swinging strike rate, nowhere near you know, the 15, 16% he's been at the last couple of years. So um, if he's more of just a good, but not great strikeout pitcher, then he's not the top two pitcher that he's been. And the sample is small, but it's big enough to be concerned about that dip in the numbers. It, it, it's big enough at this point to at least again, grab your attention. Yeah. I mean, look, it's April. Um, you know, it, this, this, we could be having a completely different conversation in June with Corbin Burns and, and, you know, this could just be a little bit of a rough start and not anything for us to worry about. But when we see some of these peripheral numbers, um, you know, it, it, it's not where we want them to be. And so we have to monitor that. I still think you have no choice, but to just be throwing them out there when he starts. Oh yeah, if you, for the draft capital you paid for him, you just throw him out there. The question is, are you is he a buy low candidate? Because again, the strikeout rate has me concerned, and I'm. It's one of these situations where if someone's trying to sell me Corbin Burns and I have to pay the price, I have to pay a representative price for him. I'm a little tentative at this point, and I'm willing to be wrong. In other words, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to really pay up for Corbin Burns. Give me a decent price to take a chance on him. I'm more than willing to do it, but I'm not going to pay up for him in a trade because that strikeout rate really has me bothered. And if it turns out the strikeout rate rebounds and he rebounds and who he is, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be wrong on that, but I'm not paying the price right now. I I'm with you. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to, especially in a redraft league. Um, he's not a guy that I would want to pay his preseason price for, and he's not showing us the preseason hype, you know, I mean, he's not showing the, 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 the numbers and the things we want to see to justify that. Now, if I could get a major discount on him, yes. yeah, I mean, I'll take a chance just because he is Corbin Burns and he's been, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball the last couple of years. So, um, but, uh, but I would need the discount right now because he's not showing and, and the peripherals aren't supporting anything like where he's been the last couple of years. Yeah. And there's nothing, this is not scouting. He's had a long, consistent amount of performances, nothing here short of an injury. And there has been no injury scuttle or, or talk or anything in the news for there's nothing short of an injury that would justify this drop and not, and stop you from just assuming there's going to be a regression in that strikeout rate. 
I'll make a quick correction if you don't mind. Okay. He is dealing with a pectoral injury. Yeah. Um, so it's not now it doesn't sound at all serious and, yeah. and he's expected you're not expected to miss any time. But I you know, I guess we could just throw that out there as maybe it's impacted his performance. Non pitching side, isn't it? Or yeah. Like, wrong? yeah. It, it's probably nothing. I just, you know. Yep. We don't know for sure. Yeah, any kind of discomfort, I guess, in, in the mechanics could could start to throw things off. So, yeah, factor it in, right? Yeah, factor it in, but it doesn't sound serious at all. And uh, I think last I read with him is he said he's fine. He he doesn't feel it at all anymore. So um, maybe it impacted his first couple. I don't I don't think so. But I, I guess we just kind of put it in, you know, put it in that small part of our brain. Okay, if you listen to us on InsiderBaseball.com, go find us on Google, Apple, or Spotify and subscribe so you know when we drop a new episode because we're not doing it on a regular schedule. And there's a lot of topical stuff in here. You're going to want to get them as fresh as possible. So make sure you know when an episode drops. If you're listening to us on one of those outlets and you haven't gone to InsiderBaseball.com, check that out. The baseball blog is free to non-subscribers. This podcast is free to non-subscribers. Lots of great information on the baseball blog, including samples of our emails every day to our uh, subscribers at InsiderBaseball.com. Go check us out and, and check us out. We're still working. There's still uh, tools that we have, and you can f- check out the fantasy baseball tools, tools that we have. They're going to help you win a championship, and it's not too late to get going and work with us for the rest of the season. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Fantastics Inside of Baseball podcast. Let's go!